The VA has made it extremely easy to access information, to get out there and find benefits that are there for you. Veterans might be eligible for things that they had no idea they're eligible for, no matter what age you are. That's your benefit. That's what you've earned. Take advantage of it. And the only reason I am sitting here today talking to anybody is because of the VA. Explore the many ways VA benefits can help you purchase a home, earn a degree, advance your career, and so much more. Learn about VA benefits you may be eligible for. Visit explore.va.gov today. Good morning, everybody. I am Timothy Lawson, your host for This Week at VA. This is episode 14, and today is Thursday, January 19. Now, I know we typically release episodes on Friday, but because of the inauguration today, we do not want to uh, get in the way or get lost in the mix of the news uh, that will surely be coming out today covering that event. Uh, so we are releasing a day early. You'll also notice you'll get the This Week newsletter uh, today as well. Today's feature interview is with Christian Benedetto. He is the founder of a magazine called PTSD Journal. We'll hear from him. We'll hear about resources that he uses in VA. But first, I want to tell you about ExploreVA.gov. If you go there, you can get lots of information regarding education benefits, health benefits, disability compensation, memorial benefits, pensions, home loans, life insurance, employment services, uh, and there's even information there for spouses, dependents, and survivors. So uh, if you are new to any of those, or maybe you didn't even know that those were available through VA, uh, you can go to explore.va.gov and find information there regarding those things. So Christian Benedetto, Marine Corps veteran that served in the first Gulf War, he uh, got out of the military, struggled with his transition like so many veterans do. Ended up when he learned about uh, when he learned that he had PTSD, realized that there was no reading material on PTSD. That there wasn't any publication that he could go to to learn more about what he's experiencing, find others that are experiencing the same thing, and so he founded the PTSD. Journal, which is uh, a publication that features veterans that discuss such topics. And you can possibly find it in your local VA as they distribute to some facilities. And uh, you can also hit him up, as he'll mention in the interview, to receive your own copy if you're interested uh, in the journal. But without further ado, here's Christian Benedetto. Enjoy. All right, Christian Benedetto Jr., uh, we got a number of people uh, that emailed us uh, a, few, a couple months ago um, that was that were nominating you for Veteran of the Day uh, that we do daily um, on the VA social media. And I did a little research on you, and I thought that you would make a good podcast guest. And I was really excited that you uh, agreed to come on. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Christian, we start every discussion, conversation, interview uh, with the one thing that so many of us have in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Uh, tell us about that decision for you. Sure. I always wanted to be a Marine from the time I was a small child. As a matter of fact, I, when I was in high school, tried to join the reserves, but their um, boot camp at that time was like 16 weeks, and I didn't have 16 weeks off for high school. Um I grew up in a very ethnic Italian family, um, 
and you know the rule of thumb uh, of you know sort of uh, grandkids of, of immigrants. My parents grew up very poor. Was you went to college, and then after college, you could do whatever you wanted to. Um, my father used to say, "Get a four-year degree in four years, and be a garbage man, but be a well-educated garbage man." So, um, graduated from college, and then I decided I wanted to serve my country. I have a an uncle, um, a great uncle, who just passed away, uh, Joseph Finello, Uncle Bucky, who was in Korea with Chesty Puller in the First Brigade, and he was, you know, definitely the patriarch of our family, and. Um, had just, you know, he was just a very, you know, larger than life guy. And, um, and I idolized him. He was my second, you know, like a second father. I mean, my father was my hero. Um, and, uh, I, it was never a doubt. And I just, you know, he used to tell me, you know, you're going to live to be 80, um, you know, spend four years, you know, um, serving your country. And it just, it made, you know, sense, you know, for me. And to me, and then um, I graduated college, and then I, um, I missed a window for OCS because back then um, there weren't as many, you know, slots because it was sort of a peacetime, for lack of a better phrase. So I had um, about an 18-month window if I wanted to go to ACS, OCS. So uh, I talked to my uncle, and he said, enlist. If you're going to be a career officer, being Mustang would be much better off. And if you're not going to be a career officer, then being enlisted would be much better off. So I enlisted in the Marine Corps with a four-year uh, college degree because I wanted to see the world and I wanted to serve my country. And and it was a, a great experience. I grew up, uh, I guess, sheltered would be the, the word. My parents, um, you know, very kind, loving household, but... Um, you know, um, I didn't see people of different uh, demographics, of different ethnicities. Uh, you know, I grew up, I went to Catholic uh, grammar school and uh, Catholic high school, all boys taught by brothers. And, you know, diversity was you weren't Irish and Catholic, you weren't Italian and Catholic, or you weren't Polish and Catholic. Um, I don't think, you know, I just didn't meet a lot of people that, you know, weren't from my small little world and, I changed a tiny little bit when I, I went to college, but not much. But went in the Marine Corps, and it, it, it changed a whole lot. And um, and I was actually pretty uh, pretty active. Uh, so I had friends of all colors, shapes, and um, and and sizes in the Marine Corps. And I'll, I'll never forget. I had a, a roommate, Tracy Burton, and uh, and he happened to be African American. He was dark green Marine, and uh, he was playing basketball with a bunch of his friends. And I come back from a run, and I was drinking a giant Gatorade and I asked him if he wanted some and he said sure because he just came off the court and he took a big giant swig of it and then uh, handed it back to me and I took a swig of it and all of his friends who happened to be dark green marines said you're alright I said why is that and he said you didn't even wipe it before you drank from it I said well why would I do that and, he, and then I didn't even realize that there was that much of a racial divide and uh, you know I sat with light green marines dark green marines and it just, uh, it seemed right. And, you know, you know, it stood shoulder to shoulder and fought in the first Gulf War with people of every ethnicity. So why should anybody be treated any different? Yeah. What was your, what was your occupation, your MOS in the Marine Corps? Um, uh, 0351, which is a uh, saltman dragon. At, at the time it was dragon gunner. Now it's, you know, uh, it's still called a saltman, but, um, uh, they don't use, I don't think they use dragons anymore. Yeah. <laughs> 
new version of it. It's been twenty something years, twenty five years. Sure. And what was uh, what was the the years of your enlistment? So um, I, I enlisted in eighty nine, went in in ninety, um, uh, and then um, got out in ninety four. I extended um, for nine months. I um, had gotten orders to Quantico to be a marksmanship instructor, but the only way I could do that is if I extended for nine months. Or I could go to Korea for a year. So I uh, extended for nine months at the advice of my uh, first sergeant. My orders came in, and they said, Paris Island, marksmanship instructor. <laughs> so I said, first sergeant, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to go to, you know, uh, to Quantico, be closer to home, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, well, if you want, we could send you to Korea for 22 months. <laughs> so I said, Paris Island sounds about right to me. <laughs> I'll go to Paris Island. And it worked out really well because um, I ended up um, – uh, being able to go to graduate school. Um, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I went to grad school 84 miles each way, uh, four nights a week and every Saturday. So two nights a week, mathematically, I could only sleep for two hours and, and 15 minutes because class got out at, you know, 10 and then I had to drive 84 miles and I had to get out, um, you know, to, uh, you know, get up the field day and, uh, and everything else and, um, and PT and, you know, the rifle range gets, uh, you know, hot at five thirty in the morning, so you know, PT could be at three thirty. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was a great experience. You know, um, you know, served with some tremendous Marines. I was in uh, right at a cusp of a time where um, we joked around uh, about um, you know um, what years were you in? Uh, two thousand six, two thousand eleven. Okay, so um, the big thing was we actually the Marine Corps was the last. Uh, branch of the service to get um, name tags on your camis. Yeah. And that's like the biggest, like, Oh my God, you know, like what are they doing to us? They're going to make us like the army or this, that, and the other thing. So tell us about, uh, you know, your transition now. It's, uh, I know you, you said you had some injuries that you're dealing with, but um, you know, what was, what, what was your decision to discharge finally come down to? Um, I had three surgeries in about 13 months, both knees and my left elbow. Um, and a couple of other, you know, minor injuries. So, um, you know, when you're, and, and after they call for, you know, um, they started to draw down on the Marine Corps. Um, so I had, you know, I, I had perfect proficiency in conduct marks, uh, you know, truly. Um, uh, but, um, you know, my knees were shot. Uh, my elbow was shot. My back, my lower back was, was fried. Um, so, um, I decided it was just, you know, it was time to, it was time to get out. Um, just because I had, uh, I'd seen enough 27 year old, you know, gunnery sergeants that, you know, you know, after three cups of coffee, six cigarettes, you know, they just, you know, had, uh, you know, chewed on Motrin all day. So I was smart enough to read the writing on the wall yeah. and I wanted, wanted to get on and, you know, actually, and have a life of public service. Believe it or not, I wanted to be a politician. Is there um is there a story or an experience um, or a memory that you have from your time in that sort of sums up your your service? You know, there um, there, there is. Um, there's a he's a retired colonel now, but at the time he was a major, and I served with him in the Gulf War. It was uh, his name is Stephen Davis. Now he's retired Colonel Stephen Davis. He was a captain in 2nd Battalion, 4th Marines, Gulf Company during the Gulf War. Um, I was uh, in weapons company assigned to Fox Company, but I knew him. And then when I went to Paris Island, he became the S3 officer. 
And um, he said to me, you know, uh, you know, Corporal Benedetto, you know, the best part about being a former Marine? I said, what's that, sir? He said, you're tough as nails. You can get to anything. That's good to know, sir. So you can accomplish anything you want. He said, nothing bothers you. I said, that's great. He goes, you know, the worst part about being a former Marine is, no, sir. What's that? He goes, you're tough as nails. Nothing bothers you. <laughs> you can get to anything. So I think that kind of put it in perspective where, you know, I look at problems and, uh, and I'll talk about that with a magazine a little bit. And, you know, I don't, I, I really just still don't believe that anything is inachievable in my life or in, you know, uh, in my life's a little, you know, wacky. I have, you know, PTSD and, chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and, you know, a, a bad back and bad knees and a, a kidney problem. And the list goes, uh, uh, the list goes on. But, um, you know, I, I think it taught me to just never, you know, never give up. There's, oh, you know, there's always another way. I, I tell the, I tell the story all the time. You know how many Marines you can fit in a Humvee or a Jeep? One more. <laughs> Doesn't matter. There's always room for one more Marine. As a matter of fact, uh, I just got an email um, connection today with a friend of mine who uh, owns a restaurant whose son is getting out of the Marine Corps this week, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And I said, tell the wait and tell the cashier to have her son call me, and I'll we'll find him a job. I don't know what he's going. I don't know what his MRS was. I don't know anything. I just know. He's a Marine corporal. He served, uh, you know, two tours overseas and, you know, if he, you know, we'll help him however we can, you know, and, uh, I tell people when I do interviews all the time, you know, hey, my cell phone number is 732-241-8887. If you are a veteran or a family member of a veteran and you need help, call my cell phone preferably after 05 and before 11 PM. Hmm. You know, um, seven days a week. But if you gotta call me at 4 a.m., call me at 4 a.m. And I, I might, I, maybe, I, I don't know that I'm gonna write you a check, but I'm definitely gonna take the time, listen to you, or call you back if you get my voicemail, and figure out, you know, how to get you some help, whether you need diapers for your kid or a job or whatever, whatever it is. I and mean, we're all in this together. Yeah. So. Tell us. So. um after you transitioned out, did you experience uh, any sort of emotional crisis? Yeah, my transition was disastrous. <laughs> um, and I say that in a, uh, in a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek. You know, um, it's very difficult to go from, and, and you've experienced it, you know, the, you're the baddest, you know, mother effer on the planet, and now drive 55 miles an hour when you get on the highway and don't do any crazy stuff. Um, so, um, you know, I, I drank too much. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, and, uh, you know, long story short, um, and, but I went into sales, which was, which really, well, I thought masked it really well because, you know, it was the mid nineties. So, you know, I was a young sales guy. So I was the guy that took people out to bars and played golf and, you know, went to casinos and poker games and that kind of thing. So, you know, I was just that, like, fun-loving, you know, ah, he's a former Marine, you know, he's a, a war veteran, you know, cut him some slack. And I was very good at sales, and, you know, I'm good with people. And um, so I kind of hit it. And then uh, about 06, um, you know, almost 20 years later, um, I, uh, in my late 30s, I, I suddenly realized life had consequences, which I did not 
really occur to me until that point. Um, so I slowed my drinking down and, um, I met somebody and, um, got married, you know, pretty quickly. And, um, uh, we had a baby and I have a son who, uh, is going on nine, um, great kid, smart kid, happy kid, athletic kid, adjusted to the divorce very well. I see him a lot. Um, I live five miles away from him, six miles away from him. Um, and, um, you know, um, that's when I realized, so when I found out that my well, now ex-wife was pregnant, that's, uh, really when I made the decision to stop drinking. And, you know, I mean, I, I drank twice, um, after that, and it was like out with big clients. So, you know, like they're buying me drinks and blah, 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 blah. And I'm kind of spitting them back into the bottle or pouring out my beer in the bathroom <laughs> and to try and hide it. Cause I wasn't really ready for that. And then I've fallen off the wagon, um, you know, uh, twice since then, but, um, nothing, you know, not nothing off the rails or anything. Um, and I go to AA and I have a sponsor and, um, you know, so, um, you know, what happened for me that really made me get help, it was, uh, 2013. Um, and you know, uh, my son was about five and, um, it was late October, early November. And uh, he kind of crawled into bed with my wife and I on a Saturday morning and, um, you know, I just kind of turned my back because I know I have, I have a lot of nightmares, you know, I flinch a lot and, um, kind of rolled over and, you know, it was like six o'clock in the morning and, uh, and he just moved his hand in a real weird way. And I just grabbed his hand really hard because I didn't know what was going on. And I scared him more than he, than, um, I scared myself more than I scared him. Um, uh, he still to this day doesn't even remember it. Um, so, you know, I went to the, the VA, um, uh, or start calling the VA on Monday. And I had had some previously bad experiences because, you know, the VA today is much better than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, you know, where you'd show up for an appointment and they'd say, you know, they'd call and confirm the appointment on a, you know, on a Tuesday for a Wednesday and show up on Wednesday and they'd have no record that you had an appointment. You're like, I have a letter and I have a phone call. And they're like, uh, sorry. So, um, you know, um, and I knew, you know, something was wrong and, um, you know, deep down, I mean, I came home from, uh, from the Gulf War. My parents had a huge party for me. I never forget this. And my father came over and he was a gentle guy. And, um, and he walked over and, uh, and he said, are you okay? He put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you okay? And I said, yeah, I think so. Why? And he goes, well, you got a hundred people here. There's five bedrooms. There's five bathrooms inside. You've got all of your aunts and grandmother here, and you're pissing in my flower bed in front of everybody. And I hadn't been inside of a building in a hundred and something days other than for like the two days because I left Camp 13 in Saudi Arabia where we came in, you know, uh, we're there for like one and a half nights of sleeping indoors and then got on a plane and then I, uh, and then was home. So I just was so used to just, you know, walking 50 feet and just, you know, taking a leak or digging a hole and, you know, um, and, uh, and using the bathroom, uh, making a head call. So, uh, so I knew and I couldn't sleep and I literally dug, um, dug a fighting position in the, in the flower bed in the edge of my parents, uh, you know, property, uh, back to, against a fence line. And I slept in a, a dirt hole for a couple of days cause it was easier and I'd sleep on their deck um, in a lawn chair outside just cause I felt claustrophobic. But to me, I just thought I needed to decompress. Um, so, um, 
I drank a lot those last couple of years in the Marine Corps. I drank a lot, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps. And I was not, I was a drinker before that, but nothing crazy. So, um, you know, fast forward, um, I went to the, the VA and, and they were helpful, um, but not, not as helpful as I, I really thought I needed. So I went to the DAV, which I had been a life member of. And they set me straight. They said, here's what you need to do. Here's this form, that form, this form, that form. You can go see a civilian doctor. And I really lucked out. I saw my civilian doctor, um, who's retired now, David Lerner. And um, he was in the Navy as a doctor during Vietnam. And he was one of two people who did not, in his class, medical school, for, uh, for the Navy that did not go to Vietnam. Um, but he had a lot of friends that did, and, um, he really, uh, you know, he understood what was going on and he recommended me to a guy, uh, Dr. Phil Warner, who was, a uh, an army officer, medical doctor in Vietnam, um, who had served and seen some pretty nasty things and, and came back from Vietnam and said, I can't be a medical doctor anymore and became, um, a psychiatrist and he was nine miles from my house and really, you know, helped me understand, you know, you know, my PTSD and my triggers and that kind of, and I still have triggers and I don't like crowds and I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like to go to the movies and, um, and I think, well, you know, so, but at least I can control them and, you know, um, and I take, you know, I take my meds and I, you know, and I stop drinking and, you know, uh, and I go to, you know, therapy and I go to AA and, um, so, you know, I was on my road to recovery, and in that, you know, sort of being a geek by trade, I, uh, you know, I have, a day, I have a day job, for lack of a better phrase. I own a commercial real estate brokerage company and advise, you know, some publicly traded companies that are household names. And I, I have a good friend, Vic Nichols, and Vic, owned, Vic's been in the magazine business forever. I said, Vic, and I send him, I used to send him, you know, business, I said, Hey, Vic, can we have breakfast? And he said, sure, absolutely. And I think he just thought it was going to be the, you know, once, uh, you know, once a year, twice a year, you know, how you been, what's going on, you know, kind of thing. And I said, I have an idea for a magazine. And I watched him roll his eyes and sigh. I said, Vic, I understand that seven to 8,000 magazines a year fail. And I understand JFK Jr. couldn't make a magazine work. But I have an idea. So he said, please give it to me. So I said, there's no magazine on PTSD. There's like 30 magazine on plumbing fixtures. You know, I have PTSD. I'm finally admitting it. I'm just trying to get like the Nexus Lexus of where I can understand it, you know, and, um, and how I can get better. And he thought about it. And Vic's just, I didn't know, Vic's father was a, a Marine in Korea, African-American on top of everything else. So, um he had some of those issues going on uh, where the Marine Corps was not um, as kind as gentle um, and sensitive as it might have been at the time. So we um, so we thought about it and we started doing some quick research and there was no magazines. And his next meeting after me happened to be with Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey for one of his other magazines. And he asked a woman that he had known for a long time of what she thought about a magazine about PTSD. And she got quiet. And um, and she said, well, tell me what you guys are thinking. And then, you know, she kind of teared up a little bit. And she said, you know, Vic, I have PTSD. And she he said, what? 
I, I would never have known. And she said, yeah, I got diagnosed a few years ago. So, um, so we were kind of off to the races and, and then we, uh, Vic has a good friend, David Cummings, who's our editor, who was uh, former ESPN guy, ran, uh, ran their magazine, deputy editor of their magazine. So they come into my office for this meeting. <laughs> so, and I just laugh because we always tell the story. So Dave comes in, he's a very serious journalist as you know, in the sports world. I mean, just, you know, knows all the NFL and every owner of every major sports team, every, you know, every, knows everybody. So uh, he says, um, like an hour and 45 minute interview. And all my questions are like, you know, uh, uh, like general Poindexter, like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and he says, well, do you have any magazine experience? And I said, no. He says, well, have you uh, ever run any kind of publication before? No. Um, you know, how much money do you have for the magazine? And I go, how much do I need? And he says, like $2 million. And I go, I, go, I think we could put together like $50,000. And uh, so he finally just starts laughing. And I go, what's wrong? He goes, can I ask you a serious question? I said, yes. He goes, you seem like a really nice guy and committed. He said, why in the name of anything holy would you think in a declining market where everything's going digital that you could make this work with no experience, no money, and not a full-time staff? And I happen to pull up my right sleeve where I have an Eagle Globe and Anchor. And I said, David, do you know what this is? And he said, that's a Marine, that's a Eagle Globe and Anchor. That's a Marine Corps. I go, yeah. I go, you know, men like me wore this same exact one into Iwo Jima. And they worked it out. I said, I'll figure it out. And every time we, so I said, you're going to go home to your wife and tell her this before I showed him Eagle. And sure enough, he did. He went home, talked to his wife and, uh, and took the, uh, and, and came on board. Um, and every time we've come to a hurdle and everyone thought, okay, man, this is, we're, we're, we're just well over our head. I said, uh, so, you know, nobody's shooting at us. It's a good day. You know, what do we need? You know, give me 24 hours to think about it. And we needed um, a digital manager for digital content for, and, and it was three grand a month. We didn't have 3,000 in the budget. And I said, I'll find somebody. So I sent some writing samples in uh, of somebody and uh, I said, they'll do this job for $500 a month as a favor to me. They're like, what? They're fantastic. And uh, we hired them, and that uh, and that's Amy Glenn, and she's out of San Diego, and um, you know she does a phenomenal, phenomenal job. She was a recent college graduate, and she just you know she just got it. And then uh, I kind of trained my whole life for this, where uh, our current cover, as you may have seen, is Sergeant Enos, who's the uh, Marine um, aviator who um, she was crew chief, who was shot down in Afghanistan, told she would never walk again. And then uh, less than a year or so later, walked across Britain with uh, Prince Harry with Walking with the Wounded. And uh, I think our, uh, our cover, I'll read it. it says, uh, meet Sergeant uh, Kirsty Enos, the Marine who told Prince Harry to toughen up. And the, and the story goes that he was complaining about it. Prince Harry was complaining about his knees after, you know, a couple of days of walking. And, you know, she kind of grabbed him by the collar Um and, uh, and maybe there, you know, maybe there's some hyperbole in here, but I've heard different stories of it. Um, and said, you want to see what a knee looks like? 
And uh, three weeks after she finished the walk, she had to have her leg amputated. Because it was in such bad shape. And uh, so anyway, so she has this connection to Prince Harry. Now we have uh, his father in Australia trying to work with us. Uh, I did a movie with Billy Bob Thornton called Iron Will uh, with a company called Wagtree that they just kind of found us. So we've really become this Nexus Lexus, you know, for PTSD. Uh, we're coming out with a list of the top 25, or, or not the top, but 25 influential people in the world of PTSD, um, which is just amazing. You know, uh, Prudential and the New Jersey Devils honored me as the hometown hero um, on November 12th at their home game right after Veterans Day. That was a surreal experience. I was on the Jumbotron. I was on live TV. Um, you know, uh, 18,000 people giving me a standing ovation. I'm not, I don't like crowds. I had enough clazapine in me to probably knock over a small water buffalo. Uh, but, uh, but that's all right. You know, Barnabas Healthcare, the largest healthcare organization in New Jersey, has really just embraced us and wrapped their arms around us. The Langone School, Medical School uh, at NYU, same exact thing. They're like, how can we help? We've never had a person that we've met with that said, this is a bad idea. Even at the VA, uh, we know we distribute to a bunch of VAs. And um, I always tell the story of um, somebody found out that I was the founder of the magazine. And I was there with my social worker, a guy named Dan Pritzer, who's really just been instrumental in helping my life um, on every aspect. And Dan introduced me to this guy. And the guy picked me up. And I'm like two, remember, I'm like, you know, you've never met me, but I'm like 5'10", like, you know, 255. So I'm not a little guy. Um, this guy picked me up and my feet were dangling. He was a Vietnam vet. He had to be 70 years old and just hugged me. And I could see the tears in his eyes. And he's like, man, this, this magazine just, you know, it just legitimizes us. And we've had so many people. I mean, uh, you know, on Facebook, we, uh, depending on the week, but, you know, we get about 1.8 million, uh, you know, people on our Facebook page. That's one every like 2.7 seconds. It's just, in, you know, insane um, how well people have come back, you know, and, and embraced it. Um, you know, amazing. Yeah, so um, how many how many total issues do you have um, circulating on any given release? Well, we do three things. We have hard copies. Um then we have uh, we have digi uh, two different versions of DigiMag on the on the magazine, and then we have um, something called Book Grabber. Um, but our our readership um, and we can't do um, we need one more issue out before they can do an audit. Um, but over three hundred about three hundred thousand. Okay, you know you, you told a story, great story about the Vietnam vet that, that picked you up, but. Share maybe a moment where, uh, and maybe that was it, but like a moment where you realize, like, man, this is like, like we really are making an impact here. Sure. Um, we we post a ton of mims. We create. You know, we um, learned how to put mims up, and I put up a mim with the uh, the VA um, eight hundred number for suicide hotline, and somebody posted. Actually, they um, they reached out for us and said. I sent this to a friend of mine and it saved his life last night. That's awesome. So, I mean, and we get those all the time. 
you know, whether they say intimate or, um, or, or, or thankful or people say, this is me. And I always felt alone. And so, you know, it, it's therapeutic for me in yeah. a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, it, you know, it, it doesn't help me either because, you know, when I try and I, I don't ever really get a chance to, to not think about my own PTSD. Um, because I'll, you know, I'll, I have, you know, I get up anywhere from three to seven times a night with, uh, with nightmares. Um, I don't sleep a lot. Um, and, um, you know, I'll get up and, you know, uh, and I'll start thinking about somebody else's problems. But, uh, you know, I think uh, Sergeant Enos, she tells a great story. Uh, it's on her Facebook page. She was getting, uh, she had her, uh, an infection. She got a below the knee amputation and then it got infected. So they had to go above the knee. And then when they did the saw cut above the knee, um, it was just on a weird angle and the bone started sticking through. And she was supposed to be in the Invictus Games and couldn't compete because of the infection and um, and the setback. I'm wrong. I have my pet peeves when people say, "Oh, can't you just get over it?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, I can't." You know, um, I can take myself out of situations where I know, you know, it's going to trigger me. You know, like fireworks scare the the crap out of me. The smells, the smell of sulfur. So I try and go to the mountains. Get up to like the middle of nowhere, Vermont, where you know, um, to you know, to tiny little towns where there's 200 people, and I'm three miles from a road, you know, during Fourth of July if I can, um, you know, but um, you know, uh, or if at least I know I'm going to watch fireworks, you know, um, I might take a little something extra for anxiety and keep my my windows shut and watch them, you know, uh, so I don't smell the sulfur or be so far away. At least if I know they're coming. I can kind of put myself in a mode as opposed to be walking down the street and some kid, you know, lights an M80, you know, and next thing I know, I'm, you know, diving behind a dumpster. I mean, are you still regularly using uh, the VA right now? Very much so. Which uh, which medical center do you uh, receive your care East, at? East Orange. You know, why do you continue going to VA? Why, you know, what is it about the VA that you, you continue to, you know, commit to your health care for? Well, I have private medical insurance also, um, but I do use the VA because I'm 80% disabled. Um, soon to go to to 90, and I think I'll eventually get to uh, 100. Um, so, but um, you know, they have my whole entire file there, you know. So, I, and I don't have to explain, you know. Like, if I go to the VA, like I've been to the emergency room twice, once for kidney stones um, recently. Um, but if you go to the emergency room, you know, they have your whole file and you say, I have PTSD. They don't, you know, um, they take it seriously and they go, okay. So like, and I have a really bad gag reflex from wearing a gas mask during the Gulf War and mop gear. Um, so if I say to the doctor, a really bad gag, gag you know, uh, you know, please don't stick the pressure down my, my throat because I'm going to gag or, you know, end up grabbing your wrist or something that we're not going to all be happy with. So they get it. They understand, they understand it. Um, you know, there's two types of people at the VA and that's people that are just salt of the earth and couldn't be better. And people that really are just punching their time clock. And, you know, I, I've noticed a shift since 2013 that there's probably like 70, 80% of the people there now really are, you know, really care. And there's some people that, you know, I mean, uh, I'm not happy with. Uh, that are there and some of them work in a lunchroom and some of them, you know, um, you know, um, you know, are doctors is a big standing joke at the, at the VA. And that's like, you know, ortho is, you know, there's like a huge line for ortho 
because so many people have problems, but they'll say like, but if you ever get cancer, man, we're really good at cancer. Um, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, Hey, thanks guys. But, um, the PTSD department there is, is phenomenal. Um, Dr. Martin, um, who's my, uh, uh, handles my meds and uh, Dan Pritzker is my social worker, you know, my, uh, my psychologist, he, they, they, they stepped to the plate, you know, when I was going through a divorce at the, uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm very passionate about, you know, uh, about veterans rights, not just on PTSD, but just, you know, in general. Um, so I, I, you know, the VA, you know, um, you know, it, it has its pitfalls, but you know, I mean, it's funny. I was at, uh, having my eyes tested and, I had an eight o'clock appointment and I was online to swipe my card and a guy came up and he was trying to convince the, the, the ladies at the counter that he had a, even though it said nine, he had an eight o'clock appointment and she said, no, sir, it says nine right here. It's nine in the book. You have a nine o'clock, you know, you'll get seen today. And she said, well, <coughs> you know, um, it's really, uh, no, it's eight. And she said, look, she said, you go to the regular doctor. You have an eight o'clock appointment. Do they see you right at eight o'clock? Because some people have never been to a regular doctor; they've always used the VA. So there's a misconception that you know the, that the that the VA has you know gets a bad rap because they might see it 20 minutes late. Well, you know, I mean, I've been to my my regular family physician and waited an hour, and I've been to my private ortho and waited an hour and 45 minutes after my appointment. So that's just medicine. That has nothing to do with you know, uh, anything, uh, with anything else. So the VA is getting better on a, on a daily basis. I mean, I think the, the fact, um, and I don't know if you go to the VA or not, um, but you used to have to, if you wanted reimbursement for driving, uh, you'd have to go in, fill out a form, wait online and get your $9. And, um, and you know, often it was just, you know, if I'd look at the line and the line was long, I wouldn't go, but now you can do it right on, uh, you know, right on one of the machines. After you've had your appointment, you just, you know, click a button. You know, do you still live at this address? Enter, you know, your information, um, and they mail you a check, and you get a check, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 days later for that reimbursement. That's, like, the easiest thing in the world, and it doesn't sound like much, but, you know, if you go to the VA, you know, two, three times a month, especially if, you're, you know, you go to – group therapy and you go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist once a, you know, once a month, and then you have some kind of you know, trauma or medical issue, you know, that three, $500 a month, you know, to a lot of people, I'm sorry, a year when you add it up. And then if they, if the VA can provide you your prescriptions, you know, it can save you another six or $700. So, you know, I think people really need to understand there's a lot of benefits they don't use. Um, so I've started using all my prescriptions go through the VA. Christian, if someone um, is sort of resonating with what you're talking about here and, and um, you know, either they um, have been diagnosed with PTSD or know someone that is or may be, um, you know, experiencing that and is interested in the PTS journal, what's the easiest way for someone to get a copy or, or to read the material? Oh, uh, sure. So, um, if you go to our website, www.ptsdjournal.com, um, all the copies are available digitally. If you email us, right, there's a form, and you want two copies or five copies, we'll mail it to you for free. Um, and we have distribution in about about, uh, about 10 
VA facilities, so depending on where they are. Like East Orange can't keep them on the shelves, um, so I'm always – we ship them copies, and then we bring them out. Where, um, but uh, Or they can you know, go to our Facebook page and message us, and we'll, we'll send them a copy. For, we send them copies for free all the time, um, anywhere and everywhere. It's a, it's a labor of love. Um, you know, um, we've all, uh, you know, our team is, uh, is great. We've, we've actually, the DAV is now a sponsor of ours. Um, and we're working on the, on the VA, um, uh, as well to buy copies, um, of the magazine to just to, to distribute in all of the, uh, hospitals, as well as looking for corporations to pay for, you know, we love to send 10,000 copies to Walter Reed. Uh, a quarter. Um, matter of fact, our next issue comes out in March, and we have uh, Miss USA, who happens to be an Army uh, Reserve Army uh, Second Lieutenant, and um, who has PTSD, I believe, and I know PTSD is a big cause of hers uh, on our platform. Um, so, you know, um, we're, we're happy to get people copies, and um, we've run into, you know, we ran into a problem where. Somebody wanted a lot of copies and it was going to be, you know, a big chunk of money. And, you know, we're like, oh my God, you know, we're, you know, we're a startup, you know, um, what are we going to do? And <clears throat> I made a phone call and somebody wrote checks so and we could buy more copies and, and ship them to, uh, to, you know, to a nonprofit. You know, my advice to anybody with PTSD is, you know, um, try and learn how to breathe. It sounds silly, whether it's meditation or yoga or just, you know, a simple or even, you know, um, in a therapist office. But when you are having a panic attack, a panic attack at two o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon at work, if you can find a quiet place and learn how to breathe, um, that panic attack may only last seven minutes, not, you know, seven hours. And it may last seven hours anyway. Um, but, you know, uh, so we're trying to take the stigma, you know, out of it. That's why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to talk about it and say, you know, I have PTSD and, you know, and I run a company and I'm, you know, quasi successful. And yeah, you know, I mean, do I, you know, um, you know, do I eat the same restaurants and do I, you know, yeah. Um, and I like to have, do I have the same seat in my conference room and, you know, do I like my back to the wall and, you know, um, do I go recon, uh, if I have a meeting at a, at a new location, will I get there three hours early and recon it and find out where everything is. And when I go out to a, uh, a seminar every year, I stay at the same hotel and they put me in the same room on the same floor because it'll, it'll put me at ease. Sure. Absolutely. And I haven't taken the mini bar out. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just <clears throat> trying to be, you know, smart and practical, um, you know, about it. Um, you know, uh, and then now with uh, with e-benefits, it makes for the VA, it makes life so much easier to be able to go on and just change something like a dependent or a bank account or that kind of thing where you can do something in five minutes that five years ago would have taken a half a day off work three times. So I applaud the VA for for the electron, uh, for their, you know, uh, for their upgrades in the, on the electronic system. Yeah, absolutely. Christian, I really appreciate you talking to, to me and, and, and my audience about your, your service, your transition now, starting PTS Journal, and uh, and the, the journey that that's been. And, and most of all, sir, thank you for your service sir, and sacrifice to our country. Thank you so much. 
I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served. No matter if you saw combat or not. There are benefits for veterans of every generation. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. So in the interview, Christian mentions a handful of things that he enjoys or benefits from using his uh, using his local VA medical center. And usually at the end of the interview, I sort of pinpoint a resource uh, that was mentioned um, or that relates that you can use yourself. And um, today I'm going to point out maybe one of the bigger ones, but that's just healthcare in general. I know that's... Uh, Seems a little broad considering this is a VA podcast and VA, one of VA's main benefits is healthcare. But uh, I'm willing to bet that there's a number of people listening that qualify for healthcare benefits through that have not received them or even applied for them yet. Uh, and if that's you, uh, I highly suggest that you inquire about what benefits you are qualified for. Uh, and can receive through the VA. So again, if you go to explore.va.gov and click on healthcare, uh, you can get a lot of information there about uh, what healthcare uh, you can qualify for, what the requirements are to uh, to qualify for those benefits, uh, the types of care that you can receive, how it works with the Affordable Care Act, uh, and then of course the eligibility that your spouse, dependents, or survivors uh, may have. So explore va.gov click on healthcare read up find out what you qualify for how you meet those requirements and then you can apply right there there's an apply now button you'll click that it'll bring you to the page you need to be at to be able to apply and you'll be on your way Today's veteran of the day is Air Force veteran George Watson Sr. He is a World War II veteran and one of the original Tuskegee Airmen uh, after graduating from high school, he enlisted in the U.S. Army Air Corps in 1942 and uh, was sent to 332nd Fighter Group and joined the Red Tails in, uh, in their efforts in World War II. Uh, he served for 26 years and was assigned to stations such as Germany, England, Turkey, and Iran uh, before finally settling down and retiring uh, at McGuire Air Force Base. And, uh, and of course, along with the other Tuskegee Airmen, was awarded the Congressional Gold Medal uh, back in 2007. To read George's full write-up or to find out how you can submit your own Veteran of the Day, go to blogs.va.gov. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time and attention. I know there's a lot of options out there for entertainment, and I appreciate you spending your time here with me. Be sure to follow us on all of the social medias. You can search Department of Veterans Affairs or uh, search DEPT Vet Affairs on Instagram and Twitter where we have a handle. Um, and then, of course, blogs.va.gov is where you can read more stories from within our community. If you have any questions that I have answered here on the show, you can email us at newmedia at va.gov or tweet at us using hashtag VA podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Timothy Lawson signing off.